Well, good morning. good morning. How's everybody doing? I can just sense the vibe that there's like some sunburn going on. Everyone's feeling a little fried today. So, well, thanks for making it here. Hopefully it feels nice and cool in here. Anyways, welcome to Centerpoint Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the pastor here. Thanks for checking out a one-hour service with a mission to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. Our goal here is to do what any good Christian church should do, which is to help you connect with God in a worshipful way and then help you grow in your relationship with Him. Our style just may be a bit different than others around here or what you're used to, but we're still true to the Bible and we take God very seriously. This Sunday, we're continuing a series or a newer series that's called Words of Wisdom. It's a four-week series or study of Proverbs or the wisdom book of the Bible with the intention for all of us to become wiser. And we're going to make each Sunday here for the series look a little different than a normal Sunday here at Centerpoint. Um, probably different than any other church uh, in the area or anywhere, I think, right now for this next month. This series, during the message time, what we're going to do is we're going to have two completely different messages done by myself or done by guest speakers who are a part of this church. And each message will be about 10 to 15 minutes long, along with an intro, intermission, and outro. Uh, so they'll be done by myself, or, and then I'll also be the host, and then we have a guest today as well. If you hate this, sorry. Um, it'll only last two more weeks, so hang in there. Um, and then we'll be back to normal. But we have some really great speakers lined up. And also, just a little inside scoop for you. Two 10 to 15-minute-ish sermons is shorter than a normal sermon here. So you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, to give you a little introduction, though, before we dive into the first message, I want to give you some idea of what to expect with Proverbs, the book of the Bible of Proverbs. Again, it's a book in the Bible that is part of the Old Testament or the section of the Bible uh, before Jesus' time. It is seen as this wisdom literature mostly written by uh, this king named King Solomon. And Proverbs, its primary audience at that time was to ancient people. The Bible was written lots of years ago, but their language that they use in this proverb is, is usually like kind of relating to that ancient audience. The culture, the people, the language, they were different. Gender roles were different. Expectations were significantly different. Uh, so this is kind of written primarily towards ancient men about to start their careers. So when you read Proverbs, you'll kind of notice some of that. But when we bring it to our context, to today, we should read it as both to men and women. We should see the wisdom as something given to all of us. Uh, what's super interesting about Proverbs is, is it some of the first wisdom that you can read about on how people lived with some scripture. Because most of the Old Testament, like people are just living and trying to follow God and they didn't have a Bible or anything. Uh, but then... Proverbs comes along, and there's already some, some Bible, some text there, some law. And so this Proverbs is actually learning how people walked with God having some Bible already. So it's this really amazing thing that we get to see people use, but then we can also use as well for our own wisdom. I don't know about you, but like I need that. I need some examples of people that walked in the ways God wants them to walk, because honestly... I don't do it all the time, and I want to see how other people did it, so that's what Proverbs is. And many times, like, even when I do follow through with what God wants, I don't do it in the wisest manner. So that's why we're looking at Proverbs. 
Proverbs is direction and guidance on work you should do ahead of time for an outcome that will be God-honoring later. Or in other words, guidance in what you should be doing or not doing right now so that you'll be happy with it later on in your life. To put it in easy Fond du Lac terms for you, if you're a Fond du Lac person, you know when you're in a hurry for something and you have to, it's something really important, you have to cross town, across the train tracks, always take Johnson or Hickory, right? Like if you're in a hurry, because then you know for sure you will make it on time. That's a Fondy Proverb 102. Uh, I, I'm, I'm working on that one. Um, but even think on a more personal level, right? Like you work hard during the week, usually, so that you can enjoy yourself for the weekend. Or you clean your house or your car so that you can enjoy it in its pristine condition. It's when you put the work in to resolve a conflict you maybe have with someone else that you know you're going to spend time with so that it's actually an enjoyable time together. Or, like, it's saving and planning for the future so that you can live as you hope later on. That's what Proverbs is giving us. Wisdom to help you get done what needs to be done now to later be living a God-honoring and fulfilling life that you're going to be happy with. So that's what we're studying this month. Uh, we're going to be gaining insight and wisdom to help us prepare for the life God intends. So each Sunday, you'll get two Proverbs or two kind of chapters of Proverbs. And uh, I want to encourage you to also read Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Read it throughout this month because we won't be able to cover all the wisdom. So read it sometime. If you read for five minutes, you'll be able to cover it, the whole book, and it'll be a very wise choice of you. All right, so we're going to dive into our first 10-minute message because I need all my time, right? Like, I'm a pastor. I'm used to having, like, a lots of time. Um, and this week, we are dialing in on two chapters of Proverbs that has a common theme that is reiterated throughout Proverbs. And when I tell you what it is, you're going to do this face. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to go into the what I call the constipated clench. Um, you're going to be like, Aaron, please, not today, not really. Um, but our first proverb uh, today is going to help you know what to watch for, along with learn things to combat temptation, be aware of unhealthy characteristics you can identify before it gets too late, and know how to be proactive about this particular topic. The wisdom that, and that we're specifically looking at today, it's specific, but I think it's something that could be universal for temptation-type things. So you can bring it to your context of what you, maybe you're dealing with. But today, we're talking about sexual temptation. E, right? Uh, there are some fun things I love speaking on here at, at stage. This isn't one of them. All right, this is just isn't one of them. Um, I definitely wasn't like, yay, teaching on adultery and sexual temptation sounds fun today. Not so much. But as a pastor, I try to make sure we cover scripture that isn't just what we like to hear or that's easy to hear or is even fun to talk about. And sexual temptation is talked about numerous times in the first couple chapters of Proverbs. And I just felt this is what God wanted today. My hope is that when we go through these Proverbs, it'll be helpful for someone maybe who's preparing for a marriage, one who's in a marriage, one who has maybe messed up in their marriage, maybe one who's been hurt by this type of thing before. I'm hoping that all of us can learn in this together. So no matter where you fit in that statement I just said, our faith, remember, is one that everyone can have wisdom and can have a relationship with God with. So no matter who you are or what your past is or what you've done, this wisdom's available to you from God and can guide your next steps no matter where you're at. 
A relationship with Jesus will bring forgiveness and direction. So let's see what God says about this. We're specifically looking at Proverbs 5 and 7, but the topic is all over Proverbs. If we look at Proverbs 5, it says this. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. I mean, again, this is applying to a modern context. It's including both men and women, right? And we see it's talking about something visually appearing, lips dripping like honey, it says, and then something that sounds appealing, smoother than oil. And then when we continue to see what happens, it says this. If we go to the next slide, it says, But in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. It's saying it appears nice, but beware, the ending doesn't go well. And honestly, it becomes something that tends to be more destructive than pleasurable. Then if we look at Proverbs 7, uh, uh, again, it's all over Proverbs. It says this, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the streets near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening. As deep darkness fell, the woman approached him, seductively dressed in sly of heart. And then it continues later on. It says, so she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. Ye, ye. Proverbs gives us wisdom to avoid temptation, what to be aware of, and tells us consequences of it. At first glance, I'm like, meh. I'm not, like, that worried about this personally. I, I never, I, I'm good, or I'd, I'd be able to stop myself. But have you ever looked at the statistics? Like, statistically, depending on your sources, you see around 25% all the way up to about 60% of marriages have some sort of infidelity. That's huge, right? That's big. That's between you and the person next to you. Someone in the room, one of you would have some sort of infidelity. Again, I don't think I'd ever have, like, the sexual temptation affect my life, but honestly, whoever does, I feel I would be a fool to not at least look or listen to some of the advice of this proverb, right? Especially on this topic. It's honestly a real conversation or question I have with a few close friends that are, are pastors of mine, and, uh, and we kind of, like, ask each other sometimes, of like, how far away are you from a sexual sin or a sexual temptation? Because it's real, even in, in my profession, don't worry, like, if we're just having a beer together one day, it's not like a question I just drop on you. Like, how far away are you from sexual temptation? It's not something I just drop. So know that that's okay. Like, if I ever, like, want to hang out with you, that's not something I drop on you right away. But it's something my friends and I, we have this guidance of because it's important. I want you to think, have you thought about this being important to, to, to think about? Do you want wisdom in dialing or dealing with temptation in maybe your marriage, temptation you maybe have with something online, temptation with maybe like dating, temptation with something else? Do you want wisdom to prepare you moving forward from maybe an incident with someone, wisdom for the future, or just wisdom to maybe get through temptation? So then the next, if you said yes to any of those, the next six minutes are for you. So dial in. I've broken down these two chapters that we kind of are looking at, 5 and 7, to find three common things and words of wisdom from Proverbs. The first one is this. It's be aware that temptation is real. 
Proverbs 7, it says this, the woman approached him seductively dressed in sly of heart. So she sedu- and then the 21 says, so she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. Temptation, it looks good and it sounds good. Too good to be true sometimes, right? Uh, this is a weird segue, but I'm going to do it. Uh, look at these burgers. Anybody love a good burger? Like, I love myself a good burger. And... I like, like, a medium-done burger. Anybody there with me on that? Okay, good. Yeah, I like a medium-done burger. And, like, this is a McDonald's commercial, this top one. I'm like, yes, yum. Can they do a medium? Can McDonald's do a medium? I don't even think they can. But I, I, I know it's McDonald's. It, like, and I'm not in the McDonald's, but I get sucked into the commercial. And then when I go and buy it, this is what it is, the bottom one. Like, I'm like, that is not, that is not, that's a turkey burger. Or, I don't know, it doesn't look like something I want. But I get sucked in. It looks amazing. The reality versus the commercial, they're not the same. That's basically what temptation does to you. You're, you're seeing the commercial. It's sometimes noticeable, and our proverb uses words like, and it describes it as smooth, crafty, seductive, as if to suck you into things. Sexual temptation can be alluring. There's something within the world that seems to just want to pull you into it. Are you aware of it? What does that alluring look like to you when it comes to this topic? Is it maybe a crafty commercial or an ad, a picture, a person? Is it a crafty situation? Or is it just honestly a smooth, normalish thing that kind of seduces you in? I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you here. Uh, one temptation I had to make aware of in my own life and kind of just make sure I knew this, knew this in me is I don't think I ever would get close to committing adultery, or like I've thought that. But when I analyze temptation personally, I can see there's things that draw me in. I want you to see if you can relate to what I'm saying. Uh, Work, working at times can be easier than home, married, or parent life. Going to work is easier than being at home sometimes. I like to achieve Long days at work are good. Emails, meetings, getting volunteers, getting future plans set up. It feels good. And I naturally get praised from people sometimes. It's like, this is, this is awesome. My wife experiences that too. Like at her own job, like she's a teacher. She gets that. She gets stuff done. It's, it's amazing. And at times we get home and it's tiring. And it's so easy to fall into the chores and arguments or random decisions that we all have to make or just make at home. And we simply kind of become roommates. We're aware of this and we combat it. And we've worked a ton at this. But once in a while, we can let it slip in. We can let it slip in and let this happen. Where we become kind of more roommates. And this happens at home. And then the vibe at home isn't that fun. But work, being at work with people who like me are, are like, yeah, keep going. That is fun. The achieve, the, I'm achieving, and people like me, they are saying nice things to me, and I'm super appreciative of it. It could be so easy for me to get in a rut of that and find myself craving those, that love, that affirmation, that affection, that praise that I get from my wife normally, but now get it from work or a person at work or something at, at, by my work. I've never struggled with this, so it's okay to give me a compliment. Uh, I like compliments. That's, that's great. But I'm aware of this cycle. 
And that could be this temptation for me if I start letting it slip in. My wife is also aware of it. So together, we combat this and are intentional about this. Life isn't perfect at home, but my wife and I, we make sure that we're more than roommates. We're, we're more than that. But we're aware of that temptation. That's me and my story. What could po- a possible seductive or crafty or smooth temptation be for you at your house or at your workplace? Is it when you have a bad day at work, so you might be headed to the wrong direction or the wrong person or the wrong place, and instead what you really need to do is maybe just go to a restaurant by yourself to get away. Or maybe you had a rough fight with someone, and so you know, like, instead of, like, going to the wrong thing, you have this friend you can call to make sure it calms you down. Maybe you saw something appealing and sucking you in, but instead you just know you're going to go and read scripture or do something of that sort. What's the temptation you're aware of that you can already combat things with? So the first one is be aware of the temptation. The other two aren't as long. The second one is, is find joy in what you have. Find joy in what you have. Proverbs 5.18, it says this, May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Meaning, be joyful in the things you have. So this text, it implies things, right? It's saying, it says be joyful with your wife or spouse. It's implying that when you're married, you should like each other. So wisdom 101, don't get married to someone you don't like or don't have joy with. And then of our youth, it says... Now, I don't think it's just implying the young, fitness, bodily type of love of your 20s. I miss that. Um, (laughs) It's some of that. It's some of that. You can see it gets kind of steamy when you read Proverbs, actually. If you read these chapters, it gets pretty steamy in there. So it's some of that. But I think it's more than that. It's more about the beginning of your love is what it's talking about. You had things you did together that you loved about each other that brought you joy together. What the Proverbs is saying is, get back to that. Get back to those things. For Sydney, my wife and I, it's always been biking, breweries, travel, whatever. We, we like to do those things together. It's harder now with a baby, but the concept of the things of our youth that we did when we first were together, we still try to do. We get new beers at home. We get like those sampler six packs, and we kind of make an event of it. Instead of going to a brewery, we, we do that at home. We, we now travel to parks with our little girl, Eliza, like, It's kind of fun, actually. Like, we go and see these big parks or whatever. And now we just bike slower. I pull a trailer with with Eliza in it, you know? So we do all the things that we love doing together. What do you need to get back to doing to enjoy the spouse or the relationship of your youth? If you're a single person here today, I think one of the greatest pieces of wisdom you can leave with right now or gain is don't settle for someone you can't find joy with. The third thing is this. Take ownership of your lifelong partnership. A proverb uses phrases like this. It says uh, in Proverbs 5.11, At the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. I imagine that's when you're alone and in, in, let's say you, you go down this path. And then it says in Proverbs 5.19, May you ever be intoxicated with her, your spouse's love. Uh, now when I see these proverbs, I think this. Do you ever like look at older people and are like, cute, but not like, kind of like, you kind of like, are cute. And then you kind of look away, like, you know, you're just not totally into it. It's, it's, you're like, not really, like, it's not appealing to you. It's cute, but you're not appealing. It's not appealing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, now, do you think it's all about looks for them, the older people? Not at all. 
Not at all, right? No offense, but our bodies will get older. They're going to get worse, right? Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says this. Like, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. It's telling us our bodies are dying. When you're dealing with sexual temptation in a relationship, you can't just look at the looks and have the the look be this long-term thing for you. What it should be is in those moments, reflect on the memories you've had together, the memories you'll have together in the future, the exciting times, how you can laugh at inappropriate things together that you can't with anybody else, like farts and things like that. Uh, Talk about how far you've come together, the times you've laughed so hard. You embracing those things of, of scripture with your lifelong partner you're with, that is combating temptation. And you can influence that on each other. So we're to praise each other and enjoy each other in our older age, but take ownership of your relationship and the unity of it all. As I wrap up, one of my close friends, or not close friends, but one of my close mentors I look to on this thing, uh, he was doing some ma- ma- uh, marriage counseling with another couple, him and his wife were counseling another couple, uh, and the couple's wife said this to to them, uh, if my husband was only a tenth of what your husband is like, if he only worked harder, tried harder, I could maybe manage being with him. And the mentor's wife like stepped in and he said, what do you think has been alongside him helping him get there over these years? How do you think he is who he is today? And that awestruck comment was one that stuck with me. It stuck with me because when we take ownership of our relationship as a unit, we can push each other to be our best, and it will help fight the temptation. So as we wrap up message one, what wisdom have you gained in combating sexual temptation? Is it being aware of it? Is it finding joy in where you're at? Or is it taking ownership of your relationship? With all this said, no matter where you're at on the scale of this topic or how you're dealing with this, I want you to know God wants you to have wisdom to help heal, fix, thrive, get stronger, and help you take the next step in your relationship with him. Going to him, no matter where you're at with this topic, is only going to help. I'm going to pray that that does for us. If you want to pray with me, you can pray right now. Hey, God, thanks for uh, giving us some examples and wisdom of how to combat sexual temptation. I just pray that we can take this to heart, have it be something that we leave with, not feeling like, We got punched in the gut, but as in one that we can learn from and have things be better in the future. We're doing the work now so that we can be happy with what we're doing in the future. In your name we pray. Amen.